Coming to you from Helping Our Music Evolve in Nashville, this is the Quinn Spin. Hey now! And welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, one and all, to a brand new edition of... The Quinn Spin. I'm your host, The Quinn. I am back here at Helping Our Music Evolve here on the east side of beautiful Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. And I'm ready for another great conversation here on the show today. You just heard Revel 9's All I've Become. That's been our opening theme song here at the Quinn Spin since the great year of 2014 and will be for the foreseeable future, or at least till I get sick of it. No, just kidding. I, I can never get sick of it. It's so high power to bring us into the show. Anyway, enough about that. I am joined today by somebody who's really inspiring, I think, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation today, all those uh, listening out there. It's Molly. She is a songwriter, producer, recording artist based between Nashville and Los Angeles, and she's joining us here in the studio today. Molly, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Hello, everybody. So three standard questions to start us off. I ask these to every single guest to come on the show, and those are, who are you? What do you do, and why on earth would you want to come on the Quinn Spin? <laughs> I am Molly. Uh, I am a artist producer, one man band, whatever needs to be done, I do it. And I just love the concept of people having conversation about things that go deeper than just you know the the music or the accolades or whatever, but the actual workload that goes into it and having a good conversation about that. And you are a perfect thing for that so oh yes. thanks thanks i try <laughs> let's buddy you up before uh yeah i try not to just ask the lame like what's your favorite ice cream questions you know? <laughs> i want to i want to go a little further into the weeds than that you exactly know? <laughs> yep so uh from the beginning then so let's talk about your formative experiences now you grew up you know pr- in the music industry and you taught yourself instruments and you you really there's always been this kind of strain of independence in everything you do so let's talk about that and frame it in the context of you know the people and the places the experiences and of course the artists who inspired you to pursue this path creatively yeah i uh i grew up in a household my my mother was classically trained and there was always music in the house um, and we, I grew up in Southeast Los Angeles. So, uh, basically one neighborhood over from Compton. So mm-hmm. it was a pretty, pretty, uh, uh, interesting place to grow up. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. Um, my mom was a stay at home mom, but, uh, even though she was classically trained when we were just kind of like learning music as kids, she always encouraged us to kind of have an independence in learning. Mm-hmm. So I learned everything by ear. Yeah. Um, my first instrument was violin and, uh, kind of like always had this passion for um, production, even when I was like three years old. Mm -hmm. I used to have a karaoke tape deck that had two decks in it, and I would overdub with with cassettes. And uh, that was like kind of my first introduction to actually like putting uh, concepts together. And so uh, growing up and then kind of getting into music, I was a part of a, a band for quite a while, and we were signed, um, which was why we ended up moving to Nashville. and we just had a lot of creative differences after a hot minute. Um, but it, I, I learned a lot because yeah, of course. you've got the legalities, you have the creative experience, you have the deadlines you have to stick to. Mm-hmm. Um, you have responsibilities as a young, uh, young person. You can't live a conventional life it's very unconventional yes <laughs> very. No, matter, no matter what you do in this in this industry i think there's a little bit of that for yes sure. for sure and and the thing that's interesting about it is i get a lot of questions about people asking hey you know did you miss out on going to school and having these experiences and i was like well i think looking back i think those are important journeys mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of people but i got to travel the world and go to the Grammys. So in my mind, it kind of evens out because you're working towards something. Mm -hmm. And I I was really, really lucky to start what I really love, start off at a young age and kind of know that that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And And, and that's an education in its own right to be able to go out and to travel as you have and to have all these experiences, these unique, cool experiences that not everyone gets to have. It really, that, that shapes your perspective in its own right. Exactly. And there's a lot of weird moments where you feel I'm not normal. I don't get to do normal things. I don't get to just 
let go and, and, you know, make normal kid mistakes and Mm -hmm. be okay with it. You know, if I make that mistake, I've got to be dealing with it, you know, on a larger, not, not a large scale, but a larger scale. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you have responsibility to your fans and, and the people you work with and all that. So there's, there's some pros and cons obviously, but I, I look at them as pros. Even the cons were pros looking back at it because I learned a lot from a young age and it kind of set me up for where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I got to travel, and do a lot of great things um got to go overseas multiple times um for a while playing 180 dates a year which is pretty extensive oh yeah um uh, schedule and but also working with some amazing people that Mm -hmm. are highly respected in the industry and having that opportunity Mm -hmm. um really shapes who you are and what you really want to get out of your experience so yeah yeah if you could think of somebody off the cuff who really inspired you that you've worked with um i've worked with multiple people and more so in the last i would probably have to say even in like the last bit of time um a lot of them are kind of people that are in the underground aspect of it Mm -hmm. uh engineers producers yeah um especially the engineers i think that was the biggest thing as an artist going in that they don't get is Mm -hmm. that when you work with people behind the scenes, you really see how much work it is to make these things happen. Yes. Which is why I respect the people that are doing everything from the back, from the backdrop. Right. Um, so much more. But um, there was a guy named Lee Groich who was amazing. He taught a lot um, to me about just, you know, the recording experience. Um, people like Allison Krauss and mm-hmm. Ricky Skaggs and people like that, that from first coming out here, yeah. um, were a huge experience for me. I've worked with the Sisterhood um, band, um, done a lot with them. Um, yeah, there's just amazing people in Nashville too that take the time to really sit with you. Yeah, and that's a great thing. And I, uh, I joke that you could probably have a drinking game of all the things that I keep coming back to on the show. But like <laughs> the camaraderie here, you know, yes. like you come in here and you know it's a transplant city. Everybody comes in from somewhere else, you know, and. Most of us, at one point or another, were new, so we get it. Yeah. You know? And so, when I first came here, and this was over a year ago at this point, but, like, I found people just willing to kind of bring me along and kind of show me the ropes. And it's something you don't get everywhere. Right. You know? That's certainly something, from my experience and from a lot of the people I've spoken with, like, it's pretty unique to Nashville. Yes. That that kind, that level of camaraderie. Yeah. It is, and I think a lot of people uh, take new people under their wing Mm -hmm. um and that really that really translates because you you want to do that for the people that are coming after who i i kind of take new people that are not familiar with nashville and kind of let them know like hey Mm -hmm. these are the things these are the types of people this is the experience that you should be getting out of nashville because that's the best experience Mm -hmm. and uh so i got to experience that um a lot and it's really helped me grow and Mm -hmm. especially with connection uh word of mouth is a huge thing and uh it can go good or bad yeah (laughs) you always want to be on the good side of it exactly exactly um but that really plays a role in you being able to meet a lot of new people and Mm -hmm. work with new people and get new opportunities yeah yeah yeah, there is that you know notion of you do always have to present your best self yeah even on your off days you know and that that can be very challenging because look we're all human beings and we all have emotions and we all have things that you know (laughs) maybe you know don't make us the happiest when they happen, you know, but we all, it's all in how we respond to it. And it's all how we respond to the people around us. Right. Right. You know, so it can be, it can be one of those things where it's like, you really do have to, like you said, always be on the good side of those interactions and always kind of check everything at the door, you know, in your interactions with people in the industry, because you've of course want to build that goodwill. You want that good word of mouth. You want to be known as somebody who's easy and a joy to work with. Yeah, for sure. You know, so, so with that, you know, You've spent time, significant time, both in L.A. and here in Nashville. So I'm curious what you've gotten creatively out of each place and kind of the contrast between them. Yeah. um, Nashville is an industry town for sure, um, especially getting into production. Um, I got really lucky and had a lot of studio um, people, uh, engineers, producers, editors, whatever, kind of take me under their wing like we've said, and I get to, I got to intern and do a lot of production stuff. So I feel like Nashville 
when it comes to the organic part of creating uh, any type of art, but music especially, is is very down home. Um, you can get in a creative, safe space and work uh, for as long as you want. There's no extra pressure. You can have some creative um, freedom. Uh, you're not doing certain things for a certain purpose. It's not all about marketing. It's not all about uh, you know, trying to set up an album cycle. Right. Um, a lot of it's just being like, hey, let's get together and create. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge thing that I think is super important. Um, and it's also good because now, as you said, it's a transplant city. A mm-hmm. lot of new people are coming here and getting that experience. So you're kind of getting the best of both worlds here by naturally people coming from other places mm-hmm. and, and offering new things. Yeah. Um, so I really love Nashville for that. LA has a sense of determination and purpose Uh you step off that plane and you're just like all right everyone get in Mm -hmm. so there's a sense of uh i don't know it's a little bit more Uh fast-paced uh so for business i find it really good because Mm -hmm. people are you know on it certainly and uh they really like kind of getting things done so i think it's a really good contrast because in the creative process you can't be rushed Mm -hmm. Right. You need if the the best work. I mean, there are people who have worked five, six years on albums. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they should be rushed. Where you're in the studio, and then a month later you're releasing a track. But um, in LA, I think when it comes to business, I've had somewhat of a, a great experience of people making things happen really fast. Yeah. Um, and when you are in a circle, you are in that circle, mm-hmm. and uh, there's no doubt about it. Might take you a minute, but. Yeah. They warm up to you and then they love you. And so, yeah, it's it's really uh, been great to have kind of a contrast of the two. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. They both are very, very beneficial to me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And to, you know, to have that time here to create. And then when you have that thing ready that you worked on in Nashville, then you just take it out there. Yep. And you you make it happen. You know, you, you, you blast it out to the heavens at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So you're independent in your writing and your production. And that's that's a unique role here in the industry for a female, certainly. Uh, You know, there aren't too many female writers and producers as prolific who are Grammy-nominated. Congratulations, (laughs) by the way. Thank you, thank you. And, you know, so let's talk about the creative freedom, first of all, that you have just doing everything in-house on your own like that. Um, Yeah, it's it's part of it, I think, started out out of uh, necessity. when you're trying to represent yourself and you don't have a lot of capital or you don't have a lot of uh, resources um, and or you're starting over, I think that's a big thing too. You're rebuilding your team, you're rebuilding the people you surround yourself with. You kind of need to have a face for what you're doing because I feel like a lot of people, especially if you've come from one one world, like I kind of was in a more like an Americana world, mm-hmm. which has nothing to do with what I'm doing now. Right, right. You have to kind of almost start over. Mm-hmm. And in order for people to understand what you're doing, you need to give them a representation. You can't just be like, well, now I'm doing this and yeah. whatever. They still see you. There's a still a kind of a sense of pigeonholing that goes mm-hmm. with that. And you have to completely strip that and like almost force people to see you the way that you want them to right. see you. Exactly. Uh, and so I had to spend years and years kind of doing that. And I didn't have all the resources in this new field I was in and so um, after kind of like taking some time and working in studios in town and being really lucky to get in kind of almost interning on sessions and all that I kind of just was like working with other producers and and things and it just wasn't gelling they Mm -hmm. weren't getting it I didn't feel like it was me I felt Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of th- misconceptions as to what I was trying to do and partially because at that time I didn't know what I was what my strong point was or what I even wanted to get into. Right. And I think I was just like, you know what? To save me and everyone else headache, I'm going to do this on my own. Right, right. <laughs> so I, uh, especially with writing, I'm I'm kind of particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to write about things that go deeper than mm-hmm. than just surface. And I've, and I've I, obviously, there's been a million songs written with co-writers that are fantastic. I've just not found a good marriage quite yet right. of somebody that I feel like understands the things I have gone through mm-hmm. and poetically say them the same way. Right. Um, 
But yeah, I think that was part of it started out being necessity. And then now it's just really honestly comfortability. I can start something new basically every single day. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no restraint. There's mm-hmm. no waiting on people. There's no needing to schedule. There's no. Right. And so it kind of pushed me to do better because you don't have someone there all the time. And uh, I feel like I work quicker on my own. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And it also, I think, serves as a good example for other women in the business because for so long, so many parts of the business have been very male dominated, Yes, you know, especially on the production and engineering end of things. And so what you're doing right now and to have the success that you've had, you know, it, it shows other women who want to blaze their own trail that they can do it and they can do it not just as a performer, but pretty much in any part of the industry they want to do that yeah let's talk about that and kind of how that's central to to your mission yeah um i get that question a lot i have a lot of great female friends who are artists or writers or whatever and they um they almost seem kind of like whoa you know you're like a unicorn in this situation and and to me it's not been about like I'm holding up a sign like, look at all the stuff I can do. But it just shows you that if you're determined and you want that bad enough and you feel like you have too many obstacles in your way, that you should just eliminate those obstacles and do it and and get as much out of the experience as you can. Mm -hmm. And that was a main reason why I started was I felt like I wasn't creatively moving as quickly as I wanted to because I had all these hindrances. You have financial hindrances you have scheduling hindrances and uh and sometimes you actually have someone hindering you from mm-hmm. being able to do what you want to because yeah. uh, a big complaint with a lot of females that work with producers is if they don't offer themselves in multiple ways and they say no that they end up getting shelved or ghosted on because that the, the intention wasn't based on their music and yeah, that's a real problem it is and luckily, I've had to deal with it on a very small level. Yeah. Um, I don't put up with anything, so I get out as soon as possible. But, yeah. you know, you've got someone who's really excited about their craft, and they get, um, you know, uh, someone gets a hold of them that is in power and could offer them exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. And you're looking forward to it because you want to show them what you can do. And instead, it becomes about something else. And then when you turn it down, then they just disappear. Right. And it's frustrating because you feel like, well, that's hindering my business. Mm-hmm. These are obstacles that are hindering my business. And I was like, I always tell them, I'm like, well, if that's going to hinder it, then work around it. Right. right. And you are capable of doing it. You don't need to, you don't need to go to somebody mm-hmm. until you do. Right. And uh, a lot of it, you will be amazed how much you can actually learn if you really apply yourself. And um, I think it's encouraging yeah. that women are finally feeling like, hey, I don't need to you know, wait for this person or sign with this person or do this thing mm-hmm. in order to have a creative process. Yeah. I can slowly do it on my own. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to see, in general, women kind of taking their part of the industry. You know? Yes. Um, you know, and a few years ago when that whole thing with Kesha and Dr. Luke came out, like that was a big big that's more common than people would like to think yeah yeah but that was a big eye-opener i think to a lot of people but the problem does still exist you know and women in a lot of regards do struggle to be taken seriously by this old hierarchy that exists in the industry so it's good to see people like you doing what you're doing it's good to see organizations like sad girl music who that's how we became yeah yes you know women on fire There, there are a few of them here in nashville now showcasing female artists, showcasing female performers and pointing people in the direction of, you know, this is what these people are doing. Right. You know, and you've actually, we were talking about this offline. You've worked with the Recording Academy, too, on some advocacy programs. So let's talk a yeah, little bit about that. Um, I've spoke at panels discussing stuff that has to do with uh, sexual harassment because there is no standard. There's mm-hmm. no HR in the entertainment field. Right. Um, and I think creating a safe space that's a very vulnerable place to be when you're mm-hmm. creating your art yeah. and if you can't trust the person you're kind of forced to create with mm-hmm. it causes a lot of problems and then you know obviously things can go south from there mental health can fall fall off the the bandwagon it's like i've been through a lot of those things and no one wants to f- give up there's so many stories of people who are like i just gave up because mm-hmm. i had this horrible experience right um and which is another reason why i feel like it's really important like i actually um produce for quite a few female clients mm-hmm. um and i always want it to be a safe space mm-hmm. um and so that's kind of been a huge mission for me but the recording academy is really trying to 
you start this conversation and yeah. make it uh, put an emphasis on it because mm-hmm. there's way more women doing more music nowadays there's way more m- women trying to get into fields and and positions that have not typically been female dominated right. and there's somewhat of a power grab mm-hmm. when it comes to that and some squashing that goes into it yeah and uh at the end of the day it's people wanting to have a business mm-hmm. with something they love yeah and I think that they're trying to blur that line and make sure that it's all equal and it's all the same and it's emphasis on the art. It should not be so-and-so doing this for this person so they can do this. And that's the what we're trying to eliminate. And so luckily, um, not only with that, but like the monetization stuff and women on radio and, uh, you know, all those things, trying to change the narrative and kind of be a part of that. And I've been really, really lucky to be able to do that with such a prestigious thing as the Recording Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're willing to listen, which is really important. Yes, yes. Well, it's an important conversation to continue to have. You yes. Know, because like we've acknowledged, it is still happening out there. It happens probably on a daily basis. It's somewhere in some studio, somewhere in the industry, you know. And for an organization like the Recording Academy to be willing to open it up and have these conversations, it's going to force other prominent organizations to also be willing to open up that dialogue. Yes, because when you've got the top of the top starting the conversation, no one else is going to survive if they don't. Right. And I think it's also going to help. One thing that doesn't help, it's like a bad circle. You've got these people who say that this is the only way to do things. So these people who are inexperienced or or really just want their dream to happen so badly end up doing things they, they might not even really had wanted to do but they feel it's necessary and then they get shamed Mm -hmm. for doing it like Uh it's this never-ending cycle yeah and you can't really blame someone who's kind of told like there's no other way Mm -hmm. that's that's abuse that's definitely abuse and um i don't think that that's how our art should start out being put in a process i feel like uh, a lot of women end up feeling like dang i I really didn't want to work with this person but he literally has the key to everything that Mm -hmm. i exactly what i want to do and there shouldn't even be a question if someone really believes in your work they Mm -hmm. should be focusing on your work and that also goes with like you know the argument versus guys doing something better than girls or vice versa whoever does the job good it should be the one who gets paid Absolutely. the exact same amount mm-hmm. that and and so the changing that narrative i think it's more about look at people as a whole don't classify them just look at people as a whole if i do a better job than one guy i should get paid what he was going to get paid if he does better than me i'm not going to have a problem with it right um but once you start putting everyone on that same level i think it really helps because mm-hmm. it's focused on the the work it's yeah. not focused on who's doing the work mm-hmm. or how novel like how novel it is that somebody of the female gender happens to be doing that mm-hmm. that's a thing too oh wow you know you're a female producer no i'm a producer Mm-hmm. You know, I, obviously I'm female, but yeah. I'm producing and yeah. I hope you enjoy the work that I do mm-hmm. regardless mm-hmm. of my gender. So that that is something that's starting to change. And uh, I'm really happy about that for hopefully in the future generations, it will be a lot easier for them. Yeah. And it takes a long time for that culture shift. Yes. Right? Especially with how ingrained the old guard was in the, into, the, yeah. into the culture and into the industry, you know, but... Again, you know, it's it's about starting that dialogue. It has to start. It has to start somewhere. Yes. And to put everybody on that level playing field, so we're not looking at, you know, traits or gender or race or ethnicity, but it's like who's doing the best work. Yes. Who's putting the best thing out there, you know? And I I I'd like to believe we're slowly but surely getting there in our society. But you know, as we've seen, I think in every facet of our society, we do have a lot of work to do. Yes. Yeah. It's a very slow moving train. Um, But that's why I feel like people, um, you know, like Billie Eilish is such a good influence. It's a great influence for younger people. Mm -hmm. She has always been against the status quo. Mm -hmm. She doesn't dress the stereotypical. Yes, she dresses very, very extreme. And a lot of people are like, why is she wearing that? But it's a statement. Mm -hmm. It's that, hi, I'm 17 or I'm 18 now. And 
I just want to perform. Yeah. I don't want to sell something I don't want to sell. I don't mm-hmm. want to be told to do something that I'm supposed to do. I don't want you telling me that I don't have a hit on my record because if it's good, it is a hit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's kind of changed the narrative. And obviously, you know, I think for young people who are wanting getting into the industry, I feel like it's really important to see someone like that and be like, oh, wow. Yeah. She's successful. She's got eight Grammy nominations in her first album cycle year ever. Right. And uh, she didn't have to, she didn't do anything that labels and people have been feeding society saying that this is the only way that's going to work. Right, right. And same thing with Lizzo, I think, too. Oh, yes. Yeah, You know, like she does not look like your stereotypical pop star. Nope. You know, but she's opening that world up to anybody, you know, in, in a way, just by kind of being who she is and just putting forth this confidence of, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I do. And here it is. And, you know, I think as time goes on, you know, these artists are going to evolve. You know, one, yeah. one good example that I keep bringing up, too, is Lady Gaga. Yes. You know, who certainly made plenty of statements, especially earlier in her career with the meat dress and, you know, all the quirky things she would do. But now she got to a point where people follow Lady Gaga to follow Lady Gaga. Yes. She's really set the tone for a lot of now these this next generation of up-and-coming performers. Right. You know, to get to that point where they're creating what they want to create. And... You know, she, of course, was very smart. You know, she she had many, many top 40 hits. You know, she was the biggest thing on earth for years and years and years, still is one of the biggest things on earth. But now she's at a point where she can pick what project she wants to do. And she doesn't have to worry about following a trend. Right. You know, she is the trend. Lady Gaga is the trend. You know, she can make an album with Tony Bennett. You know, she can do movies. She can do whatever she wants. Right. I think that's so she's one of my favorite artists because of that. She kind of took something that people were like, well, you're not the stereotypical this. Mm -hmm. So you need to do this, that and the other thing. And she kind of took it and spun it in her own way and was like, ha ha, jokes on you. And uh, that's another thing. uh, Talk about genre. Um, I feel like we're getting headed towards a place where it's not going to be focused on genre anymore. It's Mm going to be focused on what resonates with people, which was the original way of what music was Mm -hmm. years ago. and, you know, obviously there are people who are uncomfortable with that. I'm sure there's record labels who don't really agree with that. But I, I have to say, like, someone like Lizzo, she she's like, I'm genreless. I, that's it. I don't mm-hmm. have one. I obviously resonate. I do have some pop mainstream stuff, but I also have a very underground, mm-hmm. you know, following as well. And I think that that also is going to help with the overall um, process of creativity because it's not going to be about, like, trying to sell to the masses it's going to be putting things out that your heart's in and then hoping that your audience resonates with it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as as it should be yeah and i'm seeing that just you know being on the independent rungs of the industry right now yes i'm everybody wants to get back to making stuff they care about you know like and i'm not trying to knock the three minute pop song but people want to you know people want to dig deeper than that you know in their own work i find now yes and they want to throw different things into the pot and really see what comes out and have it be this representation of themselves and i think also Listeners are starting to want that again. Yes. It goes in cycles, you know? And right now, I think we're really swinging the pendulum back to authenticity, to something real, you know, especially with all these conversations happening about mental health, you know, about the state of the world. People want something that they can grab onto. You know, they don't necessarily only want the song about having a good time on a Friday night. Yes, yes, exactly. I remember when I was in college, and this was like 10 years ago at this point, but like, Every pop song on the radio was, it's Friday night, I got paid, I'm going to go spend all my money. Now, you're seeing a lot more, you know, a lot deeper things making their way even in a, the mainstream pop realm. Yes, absolutely. I think it's a good conversation. I think that, unfortunately, the industry side of things has kind of, in a way, misjudged the um, depth of... Mm-hmm. of the audience yeah they, they're like no they they only like this mm-hmm. they only feed off of this so we're feeding you this yeah and mm-hmm. so the audience is like all right well i guess this is what we've got i think that now that there's these other artists who are talking about their struggles and mental health that's a touchy subject for people <gasps> we don't want to talk about those things vulnerability the, is very hard for most of the populace because they want this surface level mm-hmm. everything is great and it's like no it's not a lot of things aren't and i think yeah. it's almost kind of going back to like when bob dylan was was at 
like his height was he was writing song about songs about things that people were feeling at mm-hmm. that time right. it wasn't a yes you want a distraction but i think the distraction in in my opinion i love when the distraction is relatable mm-hmm. because it makes me not feel alone yeah exactly where well everyone else is having a good time i guess life is great well not for me and and if you're able to spin it to where it's like no, life is not good. There's a lot of beautiful things about it, but it's hard and you struggle and I've gone through this. You're going to be okay. That resonates way more mm-hmm. than someone being like shooting back shots and, you know, just raising hell. The club. Yeah, yeah, which I love, believe me. But yeah, I mean, uh, nothing against that. You no, know, but... I want to go out and have, you know, <laughs> Lil John out, on, you know, singing oh, yeah. whatever. Oh, yeah. But also I think a big majority of what I resonate with is things that kind of pull me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that especially with some, again, I'm use her as an example because she's young and she's doing so well right now. Someone like Billie Eilish does not write about things of a, of a overly positive nature. Right. She's writing about things she struggled with mm-hmm. and the, and it's young people, mm-hmm. people who are teenagers who are resonating with it, yeah. which just shows you like young people aren't stupid. Right. They're not young people aren't just oblivious and they want their iPhones and that's it. I think there is a level of depth that, that the industry wants to pretend doesn't exist. So it's an easier consumer right. market. It's right. easier to sell. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I'm really happy to see that there are some artists like Lizzo mm-hmm. who is super honest about her not having any money mm-hmm. and and buying tickets and giving them away for free yep. so she can have a sold out show living out of her car yep. having mcdonald you know yep. all those things people want to hear about that stuff yeah they yeah. don't want the polished i'm amazing i make billions of dollars i've got ferraris in my 20 car garage people can see right through that yes especially now you know yep. social media for for all that people try to present themselves in that light like social media has lifted the veil on a lot of that stuff i think and people can see right through it nowadays you can really tell when somebody's being their true self or when someone's just posturing and i think to go off of another point here you know the consumerist nature of it well this is what people want so we're going to give it to them and then you know a lot of the general public starts to think well maybe this is what we want exactly whether it's you know a lack of depth or you know, going into more of the TV, cable media, like, oh, well, people just want bad news, so we're going to give it to them. Oh, well, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. But who who sold that narrative in the first place? Right. You know what I mean? Like, who who came up with this idea that that's what people wanted? You know, it came from somewhere, somewhere over at some kind of network, right? Yeah. And enough people now believe it to where that's what they tune in to see. But is it kind of this like conditioning, this programming I've always wondered, you know, and as, as you go on, you really start to, and as you actually have conversations with people in the world, you realize that there's a lot more depth there. People want, you know, much more complex things than, you know, than they're sold a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that going back to our original discussion about art and focusing on the art and not Mm -hmm. the person doing it. Yeah image was another reason why things got completely muddled because Mm -hmm. you have somebody who sells really well and then they're like don't don't fix it it's not broken Mm -hmm. and instead of looking at an individual and being like you have something special let's Mm -hmm. run with it like they used to right it's like nah you're not you don't fit the yeah the mold we need someone to kind of take the place of this other Mm -hmm. person to relate to a younger audience so basically they're just making clones Uh of everything just because they think that that's what people want and like you said i think there is a a a a huge thing for the audience being like i guess this is what we're supposed to enjoy yeah so oh well you know yeah and that focus on youth you know i think has discouraged a lot of people too you know i know plenty of people who once they get to 25 it's like all right i'm giving up the ghost yep you know and that doesn't matter nearly as much as people think it does you know at, at the core of the issue like you can make music you can write songs you can release music anytime you want i mean a lot of people do start to have other responsibilities and priorities shift at that point in their lives. If yeah. they want to start a family, you know, they have they're rooted somewhere. You know, that's one thing. But like I could tell you even even for me, now I'm 33 as of this episode this is the first episode that i'm 33 because it comes out in the middle of march oh well happy birthday yeah (laughs) but like i'm not like you know 20 years old clean shaven like you know i'm I'm going gray like you know so it's like even for me doing what i'm doing it's like i kind of feel like the old man in a young city in a young industry you know and like just that image that people that the industry has 
tried to push makes a lot of people feel insecure about pursuing what they want to pursue and right. makes them wonder if it's too late or, you know, if they don't fit the mold and won't fit in. They're, they, and they're, they're, I think they're more tempted to take shortcuts mm-hmm. because of age, uh, especially with women. I, I'm sure men deal with it on a, a whole nother level, too. Mm-hmm. But ageism is really bad for females because of a sense of desire that doesn't come after a certain age. And, right. and I think that's another real reason why sometimes women are like, OK, well, I got to hurry up and do this or I'm never going to make it because if I don't do it in two years, I'm going to be too old. No right. one's going to want to work with me. Mm-hmm. And there's even people who are huge pop stars who legitimately are talking. They're blast putting on people on blast and being like, yeah, I was told I was too old mm-hmm. and they were 25. Right. And you're just like. You're smart at that point. You're mm-hmm. starting to know what you actually want yeah. and who you are at that point. Mm-hmm. I think that's a benefit. But Absolutely. when you're trying to manipulate somebody and keep them squashed for your own benefit, the younger they are, the easier it is for them. And Exactly. And I think that's a main reason why the whole age, age uh, ageism issue comes to life because if you really look at old, uh, you know, back in the day, some of the retro artists, a lot of them were in their 40s, mm-hmm. 50s, still mm-hmm. traveling and still had a career. And uh, sometimes they start at that point. Right. And you should be able to. And mm-hmm. that, that's where the narrative, I feel like, is also changing for the better, is that I think people are realizing that, well, I don't have to literally be perfect making right. millions while I'm 23 mm-hmm. or I'm my life is over. Right, right, right. And there's so much pressure to do that and do it quickly. You know, and I, I go back to Lizzo as another example because I... I Wikipedia'd her and I saw she's similar in age to me. Like she's in her thirties. Right. And she's just now like blowing up, you know, so it shows you that that can happen. I remember God, this was like when I was in high school. So this was a while ago, fifteen years ago. That uh Daniel Powder, he had that song Bad Day. Yep. I remember it being such a big deal that, oh wow, he's thirty two. Like that is unheard of. Right. You know, now I, I feel like the conversation is changing and it's a good thing. Cause there are plenty of talented people out there. You know, who maybe aren't 21, 22 years old, but can still make great music. Yeah. Still have something to say and do have that knowledge of the world that somebody who's 19, 20, 21 doesn't have to present that message in a clearer and better way that resonates more. Right. You know, so, you know, I'm glad to see this shift starting to happen. These conversations start to happen. With that said... We do have a lot more work to do. Yes. You know, so. But I want to talk about your uh, 2020 here and what's going on and what you have coming up. Yes. Um, it's going to be a really interesting year. Um, I'm doing a lot of production stuff right now um, in the sync licensing world, which is kind of a new area for me. Um, making concepts and, and kind of working with some other writers and kind of taking their their songs and their ideas and kind of envisioning them in, in the way that I think would be mm-hmm resonating um but also i'm working on a record um hopefully it will be out in the fall of 2020 um this album is uh, i'm taking my time on it yeah i don't want to rush it um i think that there are a lot of things we discussed today are very prominent and kind of weaved into the lyrical content of this album yeah um and i want to make sure that it's said the right way and that it's it's resonates with people and is a very honest album and so mm-hmm. i want to make sure that i take the time on it but hopefully have uh, a record out in the fall of 2020 mm-hmm. probably have some um singles before that to kind of roll it out uh, so that's kind of the main focus doing some shows um it's really cool up to this episode i played um um st andrew's hall in detroit and it's an amazing venue mm-hmm. and uh i'm really looking forward to getting back out and doing some live performances and getting in touch with people along with doing uh, recording academy mentorships one-on-ones with people and mm-hmm. and discussing you know how they can move forward with their mm-hmm. their career and you know all that so yeah a lot of really cool new things happening um mainly the album but you know and uh, also producing but yeah so mm-hmm. so we get we talked a little bit about goals for the future then yes you know there so i guess long term what's your vision Ah, take over the world. No, I'm kidding. That was my vision probably when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that you can't be a 
uh, I don't know, a space cadet that literally is a sword fighter and a actor and a designer and a painter. And I, I always had like this unbelievable sense of like, I'm going to do everything. Live a thousand lives. Yes. We all want to deep down, don't we? And do it in 10 years because uh-huh. that's real. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've come back down to earth a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, I think for me, I really just want to be able to put out honest music, um, help people, encourage them to be able to put out honest music and uh, give them the tools. If they can't work with someone that's going to help them Mm -hmm. do that, that I can facilitate them for that. Obviously, I love, you know, working on my own music and and hopefully touring more and more with that, um, coming up with great concepts. But I think in the long run, my love of music trumps all of that. Mm -hmm. And also my love of people succeeding, Mm -hmm. uh, which I know sounds weird, but I it, nothing excites me more when somebody has a passion for something and they're confused about whether they should have that or not. Right. I'm the first person to jump up and be like, you know what? Here's a list of things. Do mm-hmm. all this stuff. Let's go out and do it. I'll help find people. Let's do because yeah. to me that excitement. I want to mm-hmm. see people happy. Right. And and I think coming from a uh, an era where it was like, get a job, go to the mm-hmm. bank, get married, have yep. children, which are all amazing things. Yeah. But I think a lot of people feel like, well, I guess this is my life. And they, at the end of it, seem kind of bitter about it and feel like, well, if I had it all to do over again, you know, I ha- mm-hmm. I was an amazing yeah. animator and I never got to do it. And, uh-huh. and they, they think that there's no way at right. 40 that mm-hmm. they can jump into doing that. And yeah. so I think that's kind of my basis for everything is just to, to kind of be everyone's cheerleader. If you have something that you really love and you're passionate about to not look at age or gender or race or or culture or whatever is holding you back from doing it right or, or oh it's not societally appropriate i'm uh-huh. 30 i should be married with right. uh, no do whatever you want yeah, yeah. you've got one life mm-hmm. you, you don't know how long you're going to be here just do whatever you want that makes you happy mm-hmm. and uh and try and inspire other people to do the same yeah and i mean it's okay to you know want all those milestones still, absolutely you know? but there's no timeline for any of them. As somebody who is headed down that same path you just described at one point in my life where I was just going to have to give up this entire ghost and wonder what could have been. Yeah. You know, it's I, I th- that resonates with me uh, on such a deep level because, you know, there is that sense that so many people have of, well, I guess this is my life. It's and, either or. Yeah. I think that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. And it's just like people concede this control over their lives and their legacies, right. you, you know, and it's such a sad thing to see, you know, because the fact of the matter is like anybody can learn something and take the time to master it and take it as far as they want to take it. Yep. It's just, it's such a mental game and it's such a game of conditioning and what the people around you have told you, you know, I was always yeah. very fortunate. My mother was always very encouraging that's amazing when nobody else was like (laughs) she was always like no you go and you do the thing you do what's going to make you happy you know so i had that influence in my life you know and that's something like similarly like i try to pass that down yeah i I talk about my niece sometimes yeah i talk about her a lot in my personal life but sometimes on the show and she's 10 years old and like she knows sign language. She wants to, you know, go to Tokyo. Like, she's learning coding at age 10. And, like, we had a really good conversation at one point uh, over Christmas. And she, she was just like, yeah, I like being weird. I'm like, good. Stay weird. She's like, yeah, normal's not normal. I'm yep. like, yes. Do not let the world beat this out of you. Exactly. Because, like, that's such a special gift. And, like, even, you know, from early in life, not everybody has that perspective. Right. And that, inform- that sets the tone for the path they go on and it might not even be a path that's fulfilling to them, but they just, they're playing by the rules. Right. And you could tell when someone's playing by the rules, but doesn't really want to, they just think they're supposed to, you know, yeah. you tell in how happy they seem. Exactly. <laughs> you know, for lack of a better term. But. Yeah. I feel that way. I, I think uh, it's really amazing that you brought up parental support because mm-hmm. that's one big complaint with a lot of young people in the mm-hmm. arts feeling like it's kind of, you know, an eyebrow is kind of raised at wanting to do something that's kind of unconventional right. as kind of being something that's going to be a failure. Mm-hmm. And I think fear is a, a, is the most definite reason why people are like, well, this is why I didn't do this because I was worried that it was I was going to look stupid and people were going to make fun of me and I didn't uh-huh. have the support group. I've dealt with that where I've mm-hmm. felt 
left out on a limb many a times. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just being like, uh, okay, these people think that I'm crazy Mm -hmm. and that I don't make any sense because I'm shooting for something that they consider impossible. Right. Um, And I I think that that, that's really important. And uh, I'm really happy that you've gotten that from from your mom Mm -hmm. uh, because a lot of people that I've met over the years are just like, they, they don't even talk to me because they don't agree that I'm doing this. And there's some of that too. Exactly. (laughs) So I, and, but, and like you said, I think those milestones, Mm -hmm. like my sister, for instance, she's married with three kids Mm -hmm. and she's totally happy and she, that's what she wanted. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, but if you do desire something other than just the, you know, step one, two, three of how life should, should go, um, that you shouldn't be held back by fear of failure or fear of people making fun of you because you tried something that Mm -hmm. was kind of outlandish or different or unconventional. I think a couple points on that. Failure, first of all, is not something to fear. You know, we're, we all fail. Do you know how many times in the past se- six and a half, going on seven years I've been doing this show, that I've failed at something? Right, right. <laughs> and, Same here. And yeah. sometimes I have failed spectacularly at it, you know, but you learn from those things, you know, and they might feel soul-crushing in the moment, you know, at the time, but the fact of the matter is there are always lessons to take forward. Yes. You know, so... Failure is failure is part of the process. Yep. You know, failure is just, you know, th- that's the things you learn to do better along the way. Absolutely. You know, and, you know, having that support is important, but also it's kind of recognizing your circle. Yes. You know, and recognizing that not everyone in your circle, when you do find this ambition and you do start to pursue it, not everyone's going to come with you on the journey. Right. There are people who are going to criticize you and it's up to you what you do. You know, I mean, I, I've... Certainly, there have been people that I've just cut off, that I've stopped talking to because they don't get it. They don't want to get it. But while those two things are fine, they then let you know at every given turn that they don't want to get it. Right. You know, and, you know, it just kind of becomes this belittling like, oh, you're still doing that. Why don't you grow up? you know, and be a real adult like me. It's like, look, my bills are paid, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I'm doing my thing. Like, and I do want all those things. I can't wait to be a parent. I'm going to rock at it. But right now this is my baby. Right. You know? And like, there are no deadlines. You don't have to be married with a house and two kids by 30. Yeah. You know? I think when you stick to that stuff, the pressure is on. It becomes a race. It literally becomes a race for for you to be like, oh, I'm not going to, you know, if I don't do this, I'm going to be a failure in society's eyes. And mm-hmm. and uh, I, that kind of goes along with like the pigeonhole thing uh, that I, I've struggled with that massively. Mm-hmm. Doing something, being known in a circle of people for doing this one thing. And then when you change it up, yeah. they're like, oh, no, no, no. Whatever, that's cool. Anyway, you're still this. Uh-huh. And you find that it's like I'm being, my identity is being put into something that I, when I was a child, mm-hmm. I had no say. Yeah. You know, obviously I learned a lot from it. I don't regret it. But I was a child. That was not me. That was someone telling me to be something that yeah. I wasn't. Right. This is who I am. If you don't like it, then you don't like me. Uh-huh. And uh, I think that's another thing when, you know, say for instance, you were a doctor in your 30s, but you want to become a screenwriter in your 50s. You're a screenwriter. Mm-hmm. You're not the screenwriter oh that's that's interesting Uh that's fine but you're a doctor right um and i think that's another struggle that people have is if they've come from another background uh they feel like those people don't see them for who they are now right it's like the baby pictures of your of your career yeah yeah and that should not also not be something that keeps you from Mm -hmm. doing something yeah because it's hard enough to see yourself for who you are now right because you have all these years and years of wiring and you know past experiences development yeah You know, and like, you know, for some people, you know, some people have had much more traumatic experiences earlier in life, you know, and that makes it very difficult. It makes it very challenging to overcome those things, to recircuit that wiring, to be like, I'm not that person anymore. Right. I'm not I'm not in that place anymore. I'm doing this, you know, and like you can have all the progress in the world, you know, and show all the progress in the world doing your thing. But it's such a mental game to break past that old wiring those old habits those you know who you you used to be or were taught to see yourself as versus who you've become right right it's incredibly incredibly challenging and i think we all go through it because like at one point or another you know i think most of us or at least some of us in this industry we're trying to fit into that mold right you know we're trying to be something that we weren't because we thought that was the acceptable thing you know and 
now we've come to this place and it's like, okay, like, is it okay that I'm like, we're always kind of looking back there. Like, is it okay that I'm just kind of going and doing this thing now? Right. <laughs> you know, uh, like it's, uh, it's, it's complex. It really is. You know, I mean, I struggle with it myself, you know, and I know a lot of other people who do, but the good thing also about being here in, you know, an industry hub is the people around you have gone through the same thing. Yes. You know, and so there is that sense of camaraderie, like everyone gets it here. Right. You know, everyone everyone is striving to do their best work, you know, and to have it reach as far as possible. So there is that empathy that, you know, in most places in the country, you don't necessarily have. No. You know, people might be making music, but they might not be pursuing it with their heart and soul and everything they have to make it blow up as big as they can. Right. So... Once you come here, you kind of see everyone else around you doing that. And it, it is comforting and it also encourages you to step your game up and to take it as far as you can go. Absolutely. And I think that's why everyone is working on getting better art out. Mm -hmm. And that's how it should be. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, Molly, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. This has been a great conversation. Yeah. I'm really happy that we've been able to discuss some of these things. And hopefully anyone who has listened to this who feels any of the way the things that we've been talking about can kind of get some perspective and feel comforted by it and go out there and do it <laughs> yeah that's the goal that's yes. the goal we're empowering you out there <laughs> any of you listening so uh before i let you go just want to give you a chance to tell people where they can find you online yes so um obviously my website is official molly now m-o-l-l-e for anyone who's wondering the spelling dot com um also on instagram as official molly uh i think it's official underscore molly and then also youtube facebook um going to be putting out a lot of new videos and music coming up so just follow me on those things if you are interested in following that process and yeah reach out say hello all that good stuff so there you have it from molly make sure you check her out on all those channels and follow along for everything she has coming up this year this has been the quinn spin two ends in quinn two ends in spin you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, anchor stitcher and more also on Instagram at Quinspin Official, on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just search the Quinspin, you'll find us. Also go to undergroundmusiccollective.com, our central hub for all things Quinspin and more. Also follow the UMC 20 playlist, which comes out weekly and refreshes weekly on Spotify. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and anywhere else you can find us. The Mad Sugars, We Want the Night, our closing theme song, Nashville based dance rock band. I'm going to let them take it away. Single night Paychecks here Not much left over